welcome to the Pitbull Patty Show. I'm your host, Patty Stuckler. We're keeping it real here with straight talk and sharing true stories that will inspire you to change your life. Are you ready for this? Because here we go. Today we're going to be discussing lead paint. And to be honest with you, it's kind of one of those topics. It's like, you know, why should we really care about it? It may sound silly, but most people don't know that much about lead-based paint, including myself. So um, I felt like this would be a great topic to really discuss. Uh, and, and it's something where I sell a lot of homes, older homes built prior to 1978, uh, where they certainly could have lead-based paint in them. But no one really ever tests for the lead-based paint in my area. Uh, we have rental laws that people will go in and they'll test for lead just because it is a requirement for rental properties, but not when you buy or sell a home. So um, why should we care about it? What are the effects of lead-based paint? What are they? Uh, how do you remove it? So um, my guest today is the perfect person to talk to about this topic. She is a national lead paint expert and she is a trainer on lead paint certifications She's going to tell us why we should care about it and, um, you know, what the effects are and how to remove it. So welcome, Kate Kirkwood. Hi, Kate. Thank you, Patty. So um, I know you've written several books, actually, on this, uh, on this topic of lead paint, and you also did a TEDx talk about it. So um, there was one in particular that you wrote about, it's a children's book on lead paint. So can you kind of walk us through, you know, what happens with children in lead paint? Absolutely. So we, we've known for a long time in this country that lead paint is a potential problem. In fact, where I live in Manchester, New Hampshire, we actually had a child poisoned and died of lead paint, a, a two-year-old, in the year 2000. That's the most recent death in decades in this country. And so we've we've become very aware of it here in New England. Um, but anyway, the, the death is obviously what, you know, the, the most extreme case. But what happens to these children if they are exposed to lead dust prior to the, the age of six, they are, their brains are still in development. And so what ends up happening is that they lose, they actually lose IQ points. Their brain is damaged by the lead in such a way that they have learning disabilities, they have ADHD, they have hearing loss, speech disorders, many neurological problems, many brain problems, um, as well as some physical problems as well. And so the children that are that are exposed to have, um, you know, always, virtually always end up in some sort of a, a long-term problem, long-term situation. And uh, we have a, it, it, some experts estimate uh, one in about 30 children poisoned in America today. Wow. So is the, what is the greatest um, cause or not even cause, what is the greatest like access? Is it lead-based paint, like peeling paint old in old homes or what is the, or is it the dust that you're talking about, like working in a home that has lead-based right. paint? Right. Great question. So I think that that's what most people think. I think people believe that if a child is lead poisoned, they must have been peeling paint off the wall and eating it or chewing on the windowsill, you know, that kind of thing. But the truth is that's very rare. I've now met hundreds of lead poisoned children over the years and maybe a handful, maybe three or four actually ate the paint. That's very unusual. Most of the time what it is, is that they are um, breathing in these little bits of dust. So, so you live in an old home, you open and close those old windows and the friction of that 
sash rubbing up against the, the jam area creates these tiny little bits of dust, really too small to see. And then the child breathes it in. And lead dust being heavy settles down on the floor. So the babies crawling around on the floor, especially if there's carpet, which really traps that little dust, they get their hands in it. And then, you know, children, their hands are constantly in their mouths. And so we end up with they eat it or they breathe it. Those are really the two ways that they get poisoned. And the dust is not just created by windows. I mean, that's an easy example for people. But there's anytime there's old paint in the home, there's the likelihood that it's being broken into little bits and pieces by walking on it, by brushing up against it, by banging furniture against the, you know, the baseboards or the chair rails or whatever. And a lot of the decorative elements in the old home, while beautiful, they really lend themselves to that kind of deterioration. Yeah, so like a lot of the wood that starts mm. to deteriorate, the crown molding, all those right. types of things. So are there certain ages of homes? Now, you're in the New England area. I'd imagine there's a lot of 1800s homes, even older, 17, sure. 1800s, early yes. 1900s. Are there uh, periods of time? Uh, it seems like in the, say, the by the 50s and 60s, is there statistically a lot less lead-based paint? Just curious. Yes. It seems yeah, to me question. that would be the ca- case. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and don't let me forget, too, to come back and talk about the book. You asked me, and I kind of jumped past it talking about the kids. But, yeah, the there's um, I work nationally, and so the HUD data is very clear. Uh, houses built before 1940, 87% of them have lead paint, so 9 out of 10 houses if they were built before 1940. Now, when we get down into, say, 1940 to 1960, it's more like 70%. And then 1960 to 1978, about 25%. So 78 is where we stopped, um, we stopped using it in homes. It's not really the case. What, what we did was we stopped manufacturing it for residential use. But you know, people still had paint left over that they used and hardware stores still had stock that they sold. So we did have paint lead paint in homes after 1978, but very few. Mm -hmm. But why do you suppose there isn't a requirement nationally then if it's so can be so that the effects can be so harmful that it isn't mandatory? Like I said, I sell a lot of homes in Maryland. And Mm -hmm. just as far as sales go, people buying homes that are older, they just never test for lead. Right. So I think that's regional um, because I, I'm where I am in New England. I, wanna, I hold seven different lead licenses. I'm a lead abeba contractor, worker, supervisor, trainer, all that stuff. And among those licenses, I have been a lead inspector and risk assessor over the years. And we do get calls fairly often for from a buyer typically asking that we do a lead inspection on a home before they buy it um, and some some realtors and some sellers actually will will request one ahead of time sort of the way you would uh, you know you would give a buyer advice about other things that they might want to address um, sometimes we do see realtors suggesting you know if you had an inspection done if everything is safe then we can prove it Mm-hmm. And if it's not safe, we can get an idea what what that cost looks like, and then we're kind of we're kind of ahead of it. You know, we're af- we're adding some value. We actually have uh, some markets in New England where uh, it it definitely adds to the value of the house, both as a rental and as a as a purchase, if we can have a lead safe certificate on the property. And the way it works um, in most of the country, uh, if a child is poisoned in a unit, that is, if they go to the doctor and they get a blood test and their level is over a certain number, and the number varies around the country, but if over that number, then the child, then the unit is what we call under order, and the the property owner must abate. They're they're forced to abate once that has happened. 
So that's kind of a you know, it's kind of a backwards way to do it. We wait till the kid is sick and then we fix the problem. But that, but that is, in reality, that is what happens most of the time. Yeah, and actually it makes sense what you were saying because in, in the area that I'm at, it's, it doesn't, there's not a lot of really old homes like mm-hmm. probably in New England and, you know, there just aren't. There's, they're, they're newer. So even if they're older, it's more 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s is older for right, the area right. that that I mostly sell, so not seventeen hundred. Uh, yeah, not seventeen. I mean, I I have sold a few, but there's not very many in our area at mm-hmm. all. They're extremely mm-hmm. rare. So I, now that you're saying that, as far as the regional thing, that makes more sense. Um, that people just aren't as worried about it because they're you know aren't as that age of homes in my area. But I had a um, a client that I was listing their house, and the house was built in the seventies. Um, or excuse me, it was built in the 80s. It was built after 1978. This was about two years ago. And it was just a little rambler. The uh, home inspector did the lead, did a, a water test, not, not a lead-based paint test, pulled water from the, um, uh, a hall bathroom. That it turns out oh. the hall bathroom was rarely ever used. It was just a single, a couple, but they had no children. And so that the, actually the, the water sample was never submitted from the kitchen. It was submitted from the hall bath. I got a call from the agent and the agent said, Oh, my buyer wants to pull out of this contract because the house has lead in the, in Mm. the pipes, in the water. And I Mm. said, well, this is, you know, crazy. This is, you know, a house built in the eighties. It's in great condition. These aren't even old pipes, let alone, you know what I mean? The kind of lead paint either. So I looked at the, the test and it said where the source, the water source was from. It said in the, in the kid's bath. I went ahead and called the technician from the uh, the lab, had them come out, pull another sample that was done properly. And then what had happened was the water had sat in that yep. in those pipes for days and days, if not weeks and months, because sure. there's just a couple who never used that bathroom. And that then it, the, the lead from the pipes was sitting in there and wasn't moving as it should be when you take an accurate test, which I'm sure you're mm-hmm. totally familiar with. So long yep. story short, thankfully, uh, it was taken again properly and it did not have lead in it um so it is one of those things that it really made me realize a lot of people including realtors don't always understand that these are you know where the source comes from how to properly test for for lead so is that something that you teach people um including home inspectors or people like that is that part of your certification it's interesting that you ask that because actually home inspectors and lead inspectors are quite different. It's unusual for us to have a person who has both certifications. So unfortunately, the uh, the realtors and the buyers, for the most part, are dealing with two inspectors here. They're dealing with a home inspector, but that person is not certified usually to check for lead. But the lead inspectors do. They do both. Actually, actually they are certified to do um, paint, dust, soil, and water. So typically we do two water samples for exactly the reason you're describing. We do a first draw sample and we do a free flow sample after it's been running about, oh, 15 minutes or so to make very sure that it's coming from, you know, the well in some parts or the, or the city water supply. And we compare the two. And the reason we do that is because that way we know if there's something in the pipes or in the faucet. Sometimes it's just a matter of cleaning the inside of that faucet. Sometimes that just got contaminated with some dust or something and then the sample will come out fine and otherwise at least we we know we know to let people know just let the water run you're fine Mm -hmm. uh you know if at some point you want to replace all the plumbing that's fine but this is not a reason to do that 
Gotcha. That makes a lot of sense because that that would have totally derailed the the settlement, mm-hmm. the, the the transaction, the sale, um, yeah. and, it, and it would have been unfortunate because it wasn't even accurate. So right. it, it is something that there seems to need to be a need for um, just in general uh, mm-hmm. lead, whether it's in water or lead based paint, more information. So I really am glad that we're having this topic, even though it's not a a fun kind of topic. It is, I would consider more of a heavy topic, but, but certainly very important. So how do you now you, I know you also wrote a book, uh, recently, right? You have a book that's Mm -hmm. available about parents. Yeah. So I have two books currently available on Amazon. This children's book, as you mentioned, which is called Skylar learns about lead poisoning. And, um, we chose the name Skylar because it could be either a boy or a girl. And it's the child comes home from school and says, Hey mom, look what I learned today. I learned about lead poisoning. And here are five pictures of different places where we might be able to find lead. Let's let me show them to you. And you tell me where you think the lead is. And the pictures include things like, uh, mini blinds and water and pot pottery and toys and, you know, places other than uh, the old paint in your home. And the answer as you go through, as, as Skylar explains to mom, is that it could be, you know, it could be in any of these because it depends on what country they came from and what the regulations were there. And it, and it depends on, um, you know, the deterioration of the paint and so forth. And so it's really, although it's a child explaining it, it's very easy to read and it's big, colorful pictures. It's really written more for mom and dad to learn from it uh, than for than for children. But it's um, but it's very cute. It's in the children's book section. And then the second one is the is the beginning of a new series. My work is largely centered around the fact that we make it we overly complicate the whole lead problem. You know, we make it uh, difficult for people to get inspections. They're expensive. There aren't that many people certified. Uh, we have federal regulations about contractors or landlords who are anybody who's working in a house built before 1978 is supposed to have this training and certification. And sometimes that conflicts with the local ordinances. And so there's state regulations, there's federal regulations. It just gets confusing for people. So my work is largely centered around simplifying. Let's let's make it easier for folks. So I have a, a series I'm writing called Lead Paint Clear and Simple. And the first one of the series is already out and available now. It's called A Parent's Five-Step Guide to Lead Poisoning. And it says, yeah, there's a lot of background and information, and you can read about that if you want. That's the first you know, 40 pages or so of the book. And then the last 10 pages are, here are the five action steps you can take right now that will make a difference for your child. And we started with the, I started with the parents because I wanted to address the safety issue. But I'm already most of the way through with a book for contractors, which is really about the same thing, a contractor's five-step guide to lead poisoning, which is really about how to keep themselves safe. That is not to poison themselves. I deal with a lot of lead-poisoned adults as well. And also how to make sure that they're, they limit their liability. They're not leaving behind this poisonous dust that's you know poisoning kids and that then will cause them to have problems to be sued or whatever later. And then the next one will be for landlords and the next one will be for realtors. Wow. So. Well, that's so interesting. So the one, the parent's guide is the one, the first one, and that's the one that you have out now on Amazon. That's so interesting. That's right. I like that you're doing that for all the different uh, industries involved uh, in, in housing and so forth. Um, how, if, if you have a house that does then have uh, lead-based paint that's identified, how do you abate that? What are the most common ways to uh, mitigate it? 
So there's really two different ways of looking at it. You could abate, which is, means the, the complete and permanent removal or covering of the lead paint, but you also can just manage it as a, in a lead-safe way and, and live in the house safely. You know, most of us grew up in houses with lead paint, and more children live safely in houses with lead paint than get sick. But it's a question of how you handle it. So you'd have to keep it intact, that is, paint over it frequently with regular old latex paint. doesn't have to be anything fancy or expensive, but just to keep it sealed in. And also to be careful about the way that you clean. You know, when people clean with brooms and mops, they just spread the stuff around. So we want to use HepaVax, which is a vacuum that just has a really fine filter. So it filters out that that tiny, tiny dust. And also we want to work with disposable rags. So people think Swiffer, you know, something you throw away rather than a sponge that's reusable. But actually it could be as simple as wet paper towels. So just something that you throw away rather than, you know, continue to spread the dust around. So the cleaning and uh, continuing to keep it intact and keep the painting down, that's probably 90% of what I do with my landlord clients. That and regular inspections so that we get in that unit maybe every three months to make sure that the paint is not breaking down or deteriorating anywhere. And if it is, we paint it. Every three months, you have to go in and do an assessment Seems like well, a- you don't have to, but that's what I recommend so that they stay ahead of it and don't get into issues with liability. Particularly, you know, you get to know your tenants. If you have tenants that maybe are a little rougher on it because they have a lot of children or they're, you know, they play a lot of games or whatever it is that happens in the house that might, you know, deteriorate the, the paint faster. It depends on the situation. But then sometimes you do need to fully abate and sometimes you want to because that's the best thing just to get it out of there and never have to think about it again. Mm-hmm. And then you need a contractor who is got an abatement certification. They have to be lead abatement certified. Uh, that's they have means they've taken a, a four day class and they've been tested at the state and the national level. They have to take a you know an EPA test as well as a test in your state where whatever state they're working in. And um, they've had a lot of training and they have to pay a lot of insurance. Their liability is high. Um, so they typically cost quite a bit. So usually we do we want to do as much as we can, uh, you know, sort of in the renovation realm. And then if you get to the point where you want to or need to fully abate, you make that choice and you do it maybe between tenants if you have a, an apartment building so that you get it done, you know, quickly and you're not working around a lot of stuff and a lot of children. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you um, then you have a lead safe place to, to move forward. And abatement is, uh, in, the, in the New England area anyway, is a big business. There's a lot of people doing it and, it, and it's, uh, they're in demand. You can't get an abatement contractor. You have to wait quite a while wow. because there just aren't enough of them. Because you have also, so many laws- old houses. Right. right. Also, the laws are changing. Uh, we have a federal law now that says anyone who disturbs paint in a house built before 1978 has to have some training. So that's everywhere in the country. And most states have additional requirements for abatement. And now they're starting to do mandatory testing. I have not seen testing of houses mandated, but the testing of the children is mandated. So in, in New England now, um, we test the kids at age one and age two at their pediatric visits. And if their level is too high, the so then there's, you know, the state's going to be looking to whoever owns that property to do something to, to mediate that. Mm-hmm. Well, I know um, I bought an investment property last year, and the age of the home was undetermined because mm. it was built somewhere probably around 1920. It was, um, you know, it, it was there was no actual knowledge of the, you know, the true age of the home. Now, it had been on the tax record, it showed that the house was built in 1988. And that's only because the original structure 
the former owner had gone up on the property and um, and then redid the property on the lower level as well. So mm. um, I did have it lead based paint tested, lead tested. Um, mm-hmm. And then I think it was like 700 bucks or so. It wasn't cheap. Yeah. Uh, but right. the, the lady came in and she had like some kind of gun thing uh, that yeah. she would, you know, put up against the drywall all throughout mm-hmm. the, the house and the windowsills. And I don't remember about the windows, but all over the place. And so she would get readings. And thankfully, there was no lead found in the house. So I didn't have to worry Great. about any kind of, yeah, which really surprised me just because the lower level, it had some really cool, um, kind of more ornate woodworking. It also had has extremely high ceilings. So I really thought that, you know, that there was a, a chance that that was, I mean, thank God there wasn't. So that's some one of those things that if, if it had been found, then, I mean, I guess you would recommend a contractor that has uh, a certification to deal with right. uh, properly yep. with lead? So that's very common. The, the gun you're describing is called an X-ray-F, uh, XRF, and what it really does is it, it shoots X-rays into the walls. It's very interesting because lead stops X-rays. So when you go to the dentist and they put that heavy apron on you, it's because they don't want the X-rays to get to your heart and lungs and so forth. And that's got, that apron is a lead apron. Mm. The same technology works on the wall. When they shoot X-rays into the wall, if it encounters lead, even if it's five, six, eight layers deep, it's going to find the lead and bounce a signal back that says, here's lead, it's this deep. You know, we found this much lead this deep. And those guns are very expensive in the neighborhood of twenty, thirty thousand dollars 30000 So they, the people who use them, you know, charge a lot of money for mm-hmm. the, them to come not to your house. So that's pretty typical, five, six, seven hundred, depending on the size of the house. And if it were an apartment building, it might be four or five per unit. Um, and then they give you a, a full report. You probably got many pages in your, mm-hmm. in your report. And uh, if you're lucky, it goes the way yours did. And it says zero, zero everywhere. <laughs> but, um, but if the numbers are higher, then, you know, those are the areas you you know you have to disclose to the tenant or the buyer that there's lead in those areas and also that you would eventually you would want to abate you would either cover them and you don't have to take them out um, you can cover them permanently you know sheetrock is an abatement technique um, for instance as long as it's sealed you know there's no places that the lead dust can get out mm-hmm. so is it um, more and more common or um, as far as people getting the proper um I don't know if abatement isn't the right word, but the proper um, correction of it or remediation of it. Is that more and more common? More people are aware of it? Is that is that what the trends are? Um, or is Definitely. it just regional? No, definitely. I, you know what? I think Flint, Michigan made a big difference in that area. You know, we all, that was in the news and we all heard about it so much that it really raised people's awareness. And so now we're seeing every, pretty much every state in the country is starting to make some changes. We still uh, don't have very many states that require testing of the kids. That's that's in process. A lot of states are changing right now. Um, they're starting to go through that that process. All of New England now we've mandated testing pretty much. There's a, there's um, areas, you know, still working and talking about it in the rest of the country. But I think it's going to continue to be a problem. And, of course, as the paint deteriorates more, it's not getting, you know, it's not going to get better. It's getting older. So as it deteriorates more, we're going to see more and more of that. Um, and, and, you know, people are very vocal about it now. Um, we had a, a local uh, case here where the actually the landlord ended up paying a $700,000 settlement. 
Wow. So that's, you know, that's a lot of money. Yeah. And uh, we had a realtor who was um, in Buffalo, New York. Uh, Maureen Walchek, I believe was her name. It was 2017. She was sentenced to a $100,000 fine and a year in jail for not disclosing that, you know, the seller had told her there was lead and somehow it didn't make it through to the buyer. And the buyer with, moved in with young children and the children got poisoned. So it did come back in wow. that case to the realtor. So I think, you know, it's starting to get serious for everybody. And that's why I've been doing videos and also little, um, you know, ebooks specific to each industry because it's different. The realtor has a different take on it than the contractor or than the parent. And although we might all be parents and we might look at it, you know, in two or th- with two or three different hats, still the focus is different. Yeah, here in Maryland, we have an addendum. So if the property is built prior to 1978, then then we put the addendum in the contract. And the seller then has to initial to either acknowledge that they are aware of lead-based paint. And if they have reports, or if they're not aware, most of them will say they're not aware of any lead-based paints uh, in their home, and they don't have any reports. And then the buyer has to sign that, acknowledge that. So there is an acknowledgement of, mm-hmm. you know, any latent information uh, that the seller right. might know, they would have to disclose that. But I'm sure that does sound like something that, you know, you could really come back on if you didn't, you know, didn't disclose. Yeah, they're changing that form here in in New England so that you're no longer uh, able to say that you don't know. So you either have to say, I've had it tested and I know there's no lead, or we assume there is because it's pre-78. So it's, it's starting to change the tone quite a bit here. Now, again, it's mm-hmm. regional, I know. So, mm-hmm. so what about, um, I know your TEDx talk, You what, what fascinated me uh, about the, this topic with you is that you talk about in your TEDx talk, new homes. You, yes. you talk about lead in new homes. Why would anybody who has a house built in 2010, or my house was built in 2004, why would we even be thinking about lead-based paint? It's It's not old enough. Right, absolutely. Unfortunately, this little bit of tiny dust that that we were talking about that gets created, uh, it, it it travels. You know, it travels on the wind, and it also travels on us. So the question is not really where you live. The question is where do you go? So if you, for example, if you worked in an older building, you might very well be tracking lead dust home uh, on your shoes at night. And I, I should preface this all by saying the amount that it takes to poison a child is smaller than a grain of sugar. As a matter of fact, the amount in a grain of sugar, that size lead would be enough to poison many children. So we're really talking tiny here. We're talking tiny, tiny, tiny bits. So what happens, and and we've had many cases like this here in, in New England, is somebody might live in a house built in 2006, let's say, but they work in a place that is either an older building or maybe it's automotive uh, repair. Automotive paints contain lead, or a marina. All the pretty much all of the boat uh, paints contain lead because lead was really good at retarding mold and mildew. So it's still used. It, there's no law against using it in those areas, and it still is. It's still used in commercial buildings. Many of our schools are painted with lead. Um, And so the children, even the children, can be bringing it home. Um, Contractors, painters, anybody who works around old buildings and old uh, paint, especially those who scrape and sand it, are likely to be carrying it home in their hair and their tools and their clothes. And those things come into the house um, along with 
with any antiques that you might collect mm. or anything that you might buy on eBay or in a yard sale that may have come from an older home. I had a, a case just recently where a client's child was poisoned by a picture frame in the playroom that had been handed wow. down from grandma. Um, wow. And what I did what I did with my TEDx talk was I brought in a half a dozen household items, set them up on a table on the stage and tested them in front of the audience and showed how these things, which many of them have in their homes, contain lead. Wow. So it might even be something as simple as a, uh, as a, a piece of pottery or an old dish or a statue or a little, you know, knickknack um, that's been handed down. So, and certainly if you have a home workshop, where you maybe, you know, pick up old things and refinish them, that's a really dangerous situation, especially if the kids help you with that work. So so what you're saying is grandma's heirlooms may be making you sick. <laughs> that's <laughs> right. right. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Luckily, there's an easy little tool you can buy. It costs like $3 or so, depending on where you get it. And you can test these things yourself in your home. You don't need to hire someone to do it. Um, the, the little items that I used in the in the talk, um, you can buy them on Amazon. A package of eight of them costs $20. And you can, um, you can test it yourself. And then you'll know what you're dealing with. Maybe just put those items out of the reach of the little ones. Mm, that's a really good, uh, good tip. So you could go right on Amazon. You can buy lead, lead paint, or lead testing, I guess, not just yeah, even paint, right but lead testing. I can give you the brand name if it's okay. I, sure. I don't yeah, work oh, yeah. for them or anything, but um, but there's only um, EPA has only recognized two kits as being effective, even though there are many out there. One of them is a kit called Lead Check, which is made by 3M. It's a little crayon-sized uh, device, and that's the one that I used in the talk. And the, the other one that EPA has recognized is called D Lead, and um, those are really the only two that have been you know sort of vetted by the Environmental Protection Agency in the U.S. Well, that's really helpful information. That's uh, it's fascinating. Well, I am um, just so glad that we had a chance to talk about this. And how can people find you to get more information about certifications and so forth, or or your books? Sure, great, thank you. Uh, the website for all of the training that um, that we do is leadedu. So it's www.lead edu.info. But also, I'm very reachable, kate at kkirkwood.com, or you can find me at www.kkirkwood.com. Well, that's fantastic. I tell you what, Kate, that's really great information. And I think uh, I don't have, I don't think anything that I would want to test, but that's something really helpful for even clients, you know, in the future going forward, just if there's some really old uh, antiques and heirlooms and things, because I see that all the time in people's houses. And, and uh, it sounds like it's not a bad idea to test, especially if you have little ones. Um, mm -hmm. So that's terrific. Yeah, not suggesting you have to get rid of those lovely things. Just, you know, maybe they go in a glass front shelf or maybe they go up high for a few years yeah not be uh, played with every day exactly <laughs> so, well thank you so much well this wraps up this episode of the pitbull patty show where we are keeping it real in real estate until next time mm -hmm.